Good evening, church. How are you this evening? Praise the Lord. Good to see you. Why don't you greet three or four or five people around you? Tell them that you're glad that they're here tonight. Youth, you can be dismissed. Praise the Lord. Praise God forever. Say the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. We're so grateful for what God has done. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome uh, to the evening edition of New Creation Church. It is season 40, episode 44. (laughs) You know how you go on to those things. It tells you what season it is and what episode. So we're in season 40. We've had 40 years, and I think we're in the 44th week of this year. Throw you all off, right? Season 40. Episode 44. See, some people are watching by live stream. That's what they need on there. What, what year, what season am I looking at? And what episode are we in? Amen. Praise the Lord. If you weren't here this morning or weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, we are uh, so grateful, so thankful for your generosity and uh, what you have given, how we're able to minister uh, uh, really in different places uh, here and around the world. Couldn't do without your generosity. We are believing with you that Uh, This year will end be your best year ever, that you'll turn the corner with momentum uh, in debts being paid, that progress that you're making uh, in in moving forward with God. We're just standing and believing with you that all the blessings of God come upon you and overtake you. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, on a tax receipt for your giving, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. If you're giving by text, the number is up there. If you're giving uh, online, you can go to our website uh, push, go to the tab or button uh, uh, that says give and give that way. Certainly, if you're watching, uh, you can always send in by mail. Praise the Lord. And so, glory to God. We get that all done. Amen. God is good. His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Praise the Lord. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Glory to God. Well, stop right there, and then you can pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now they went and took John P. Sr. to work with the youth, and so now I have nobody in the front row. Um, I'll tell you. Praise the Lord. Praying God will send front rowers. Amen. Open your Bibles to to, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 20. Actually, let's jump up just a little bit. Uh, verse 19, it says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, 
by me, by Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. Not yes and no. Sometimes there's a doctrine, you know, sometimes God says no. Well, really, if he already didn't, if he never said yes, then he didn't say no. But he's not going to say yes to what he didn't say yes to. So if you're asking him about stuff he never said yes to, he's not saying no. He's just saying, I didn't say yes. Right? He said it wasn't yes and no. There's not a controversy with God. Yes for some, no for some. Yet some things in Jesus are yes, some things are no. No, in Christ, every promise that God has is yes. Verse 20, it says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him Amen, to the glory of God through us. Thank you for your enthusiasm. All the promises that God's ever made in Christ are yes and so be it to the glory of God. In other words, it always brings the glory to God when his promises are working through us. When everything he's promised starts to work out through us, it brings glory to and honor to God through us. That sounds a little bit like we, what he said to them a little later on when he talked about giving, right? He said, our generosity will bring a thanksgiving to God through us. In other words, God's cooperating with us to bring his promises about in the world. His promises are for us and they're for others, but they're revealed in and through us when we partake of the promises of God. And so when we cling to that and we know that every promise that God's ever made to mankind in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. Every promise that he made, he fulfilled in sending Jesus to the cross. Every promise that he made about relationship with man and the fullness of that relationship has its yes and its so be it in Jesus on the cross. When we're looking at deliverance, when we're looking at healing, no matter what it is that we're looking at, if God promised it, Jesus fulfilled it. And if we engraft ourselves and understand that we were engrafted into him, that he's in us and we're in him. Come on, as believers, we're in him and he's in us. The most intimate relationship that exists is us in him, him in us. See, because we understand relationship more like this. I'm here. This is me. This is you. We're here. How can we have a relationship? Well, sometimes it's superficial. Sometimes it goes deeper, right? And then if we share a depth of thought, we think, wow, we're getting deep. I know something really internal in your heart about you. And so we're getting more intimate. We're more deep. But there's nothing more intimate than him in us and us in him. To understand that's really the relationship. He's not afar off somewhere, right? Paul said in the book of Acts, he said, this God that you're talking about, this unknown God, he was in Athens, he was on Mars Hill, he's looking out over the Acropolis, uh, all the temples that they had made, he's just standing there looking at all the temples to all the Greek gods, and he's like, wow, I perceive you all are religious. You might have read that in the book of Acts, like me, you know, before we went to Athens. I thought, well, he's sitting there debating, you know, and they're talking, and by their answers, he's thinking, wow, you all are religious. And then I went to Athens and stood on Mars Hill. I went, oh, I think I know what he was talking about. I mean, the Acropolis was there, and it was built up, and he's like, wow, you got temples to everybody. He said, I perceive you're religious, and while I was coming up here, I recognized the temple that you had to the unknown God. Well, the one you don't know 
we know. And the one you don't know that you think is afar off, he's not afar off. It's in him that we live and in him that we move and in him that we have our very being. And so anytime, you know, we, get, uh, we look at that and we understand, you know, uh, the number of times that the Bible talks about being in him, uh, Christ in us, all the in him scriptures that you can have. He keeps putting those out there to bring a revelation to us, to get our faith connected to the intimacy that we have in him. And if you can find a flaw in Christ, then I guess you can find a flaw. But if you can't find a flaw in Christ and we're in Christ, then you have trouble finding a flaw in who you are in Christ. If you can't find it in him and we recognize that we are engrafted in him, Instead of looking at every mistake that we've made, everything that we are, everything that we're suffering, everything that we're confused about, everything, and then we can get in that, that, that cycle that the enemy wants us, but me, God, what are you going to do about me? What are you gonna, and he says, I already did it about you. I took you and engrafted you into me. The solution isn't me doing something from out here somewhere. The solution was I engrafted you into myself. And so we're not dealing with you over here and God up here. We're not dealing with God, where are you when I need you? We realize, oh, I know exactly where you are because I'm in you. How often have you ever been in bed, unless you're having a nightmare or something, (laughs) been in bed and thought, where's my house? Where's my house when I need it? I mean, even when the, you know, it gets a little cool in there, you don't like, where's my house? I feel like I'm outside. Why? Because you're in your house. Even when things are going on and the wind's blowing outside, you don't go like, wow, where's my house? You're in your house. Why is it then that we can't really get an understanding that we're in Christ? The storms are going on outside. We're in Christ, but we see ourselves like locked outside, like, let me in. Where are you? I need to be in my house. No, he engrafted us into himself. Come on, we're everything that we need. So when we're in our house, you know, you don't like, wow, in my house. I guess, you know what? Put the refrigerator outside. No, everything I need for food's in my house. It's in the refrigerator. My bed's in my house. Everything that I need for protection, for safety, for warmth, for comfort that I need is in my house. Everything that we need for protection, for safety is in Christ. It goes even farther because you might want to go out to eat one night. But in Christ, why would you want to go out to eat one night? Everything that pertains to life and godliness, everything that we need is in him. It's in him. Praise the Lord. So he said every promise of God has its yes and its so be it in Christ. He goes on to say, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. In other words, when you're like, man, I, don't, I just don't even feel like I'm in Christ. He says, listen, that's why I put the Holy Spirit in you, because it's the guarantee that you're in Christ, Christ is in you, right? And the eternal hope that we have, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. Turn over to Galatians chapter 3. 
Galatians chapter 3. Verse 5, it says, therefore, God bless you. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you, right? He just said he gives the Spirit as a guarantee. Now he says, now he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. How many of you could use a miracle, right? He says he not only supplies the Spirit to you, he works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. He goes on to say some things about Abraham. So he says, listen, we have the spirit of God who works miracles among us, but he doesn't do it by the law or he doesn't do it by our doing everything right, but he does it by faith. And he says, if you grab a hold of this faith of Abraham, who is our father in the faith, then we grab a hold of that faith. Then we begin to see that, listen, the things that happen uh, and, and take place in our life because we're in Christ and every promise of God becoming available to us, we access every promise of God through faith. So every promise is made available to us by his grace, but we access it by faith. Everything's made available by his grace, but we access it by faith. Amen. And so he said, it's not really by the works of the law or by you bringing enough works and sacrifice that it comes about. The working of miracles doesn't come by how hard we work at it or, or work at the things, but it comes by faith in God. Why? Because he promised it. So turn over to Romans chapter 4. Romans, the fourth chapter. 16th verse, we're going to jump in right there. He says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. It is of faith that it might be according to grace. In other words, grace is this amazing, this amazing thing. We sing amazing grace. But if we're not careful, we begin to think grace is our excuse to continue sinning and feel okay about it. Because after all, I mean, grace covers it. But really, grace is this amazing aspect of God's favor and his display that even no matter what we've done, God loves us and his favor rests upon us. And because his favor rests upon us, his ability comes to us, his strength comes to us to live above sin. See, now, if you think, wow, I've messed up too much, God doesn't like me, it's very difficult to access his ability and his power. But when you, when you realize, God, even though I don't deserve it, sent Jesus, he favors me, right? And he's opening doors for me that nobody can shut. And he's also closing doors as I follow him that nobody can open. So if I'm walking by his grace through favor into places that otherwise nobody can stop me from going, then and when I walk through those doors that are open, that favor that's upon me, then God also gives me the ability and the strength to fulfill what I need to fulfill within that door that he's opened or that favor that he's granted me, right? So as believers, instead of running around 
believing that nobody likes me, everybody hates me. Instead of going around being disappointed that everybody didn't respond how we thought they should respond. Instead of going around, we just, we think, you know what? Whether anybody else favors me or not, God's favor rests upon me. And because God's favor rests upon me, right? We talked about this a little bit with Jesus this morning. What was he doing in those 18 years? He was developing his character. And in developing the character of God by serving his parents, by working at home, by doing what he was diligently supposed to do, he was developing character. And in that development of character, he was growing in favor with God and with man. He was growing in wisdom. He was growing in stature, in favor with God and man. And so when you have favor with God, God's going to give you favor with men and open doors and opportunity for us in a number of ways. Right? So therefore, he says it is of faith that it might be according to grace. That favor, that that. Uh, unrestrained ability and power of God, that divine influence upon our heart that begins to reflect in our life. This applies to every area that the Holy Spirit is working in us, right? The divine influence upon our heart. He's revealing things. He's working in us. He's ever working in us to will and to do of God's good pleasure. That the work that he began in you and I, the day that we were born again, he will be faithful to complete it. Right, He's ever working. He's ever working in that place for us that we really might see and understand this, this divine influence is working something in me that will reflect in my outward life. In other words, the life of God that's developing on the inside of me, if you need deliverance, that power will break the thing that has bound you. Right? If we continue to focus on God, the things that have bound you, sexual immorality, addiction, worry, stress, concern, depression, it'll all start to fall off because the power of God is at work in us from the inside out. If we're living from the outside in, we get restraints. We get weighted down. We get uh, uh, closed in. We begin to allow our mentality to work just around us. Our world gets smaller. When we think about how everything is going with us, we think, man, I'm thinking so big. This should happen. But really, he's closing in around us. We need to break out and begin to see other, other people, love other people. Why? Because it opens up a stream where the divine influence that's in our heart begins to reflect out in our life. It reflects out in deliverance. It reflects out in freedom. It reflects out in healing in our body. Where he said the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, and that same spirit allowed to dwell in his fullness in us quickens our mortal body, makes it alive unto God. And so the enemy will always try to get us to to try to have a disconnect between outward, the worry, the stress, the stuff that's going on, the, 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 the natural circumstance, and what's going on on the inside. But the moment there's not a disconnect, that there's a connect, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Now listen, if he could raise Christ from the dead, he certainly could work in our mortal body. It's not yet dead, right? And so whatever affliction, I mean, you got to think about it. Whatever, as badly as Jesus was beaten and the blood that flowed out of his body when he got raised from the dead, right, before he ascended on high, I mean, even from the moment that he raised before he went up, I mean, there was just things happening. God can quicken and heal our mortal body. If he could raise Jesus, give him a glorified body, all that, he can heal our body. 
Amen? And so we have to look at that in the, in the sense of what he said. And so he said that it might be uh, to you grace so that he, uh, the promise, the promise, every promise of God has its yes and so be it. He said, according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He calls those things that do not exist as though they did. So when we're talking about healing, instead of just saying, I'm sick, we have to say, I'm healed. So that just sounds to me like a lie. No, we're calling those things that do not exist as though they did. We're not saying I'm not sick. We're not denying the existence of something. We're calling the things that do not exist as though they did. So in other words, if sickness is in my body, not health, I call my body healed. I call the thing that doesn't exist as though it did. I'm not denying my body feels pretty cruddy right now. I'm not denying that they said there's something wrong with it. But what I'm doing is I'm taking the knowledge of that and then I'm comparing it or, or bringing it together, not really comparing it, but to look at what Jesus' promise is. And he said, listen, I died and took stripes upon my back so that you might be healed. That you took my infirmities and you bore my sicknesses. That you were wounded for my transgressions. You were bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon you, and by your stripes I am healed. That's a promise that came from God that was fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And so when we look at that, we have a report or we have a a feeling or or, or our symptoms. We know that. We can go, wow, this is what it looks like. I mean, I feel kind of cruddy today, but I'm not going to talk about how I feel. I'm going to call those things that be not. I I don't be feeling healthy today, so I'm going to call myself healthy. It's not denial. It's operating in faith. You said it. I believe it, and I'm going to declare what you declared about. Are you all with me? Now, listen. He says this. We're going to go on. We're going to come back. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So we put these things together just a little bit. We understand that every promise of God has its yes and its so be it in Christ, right? We understand that God has given us the spirit as a guarantee for this. And not only did he give us the spirit as a guarantee, but he through the spirit works miracles in our life. But the miracles that he's working are not by what we do to deserve a miracle, but by faith in what he's done already accomplished and provided by his grace. And so he says, listen, all of this works together by the faith of Abraham. And then here in Romans, he tells us really how the faith of Abraham was at work to bring Isaac into the earth. Isaac was the son of promise. And so God has made promises to you 
right, that if you find in his word. Now, understand this. God hasn't promised to do what you think he should do. Sometimes we get our faith misdirected. We're like, God, if I was you, I would do this for me. But since you're not him, you have to go find out what he did say he would do for you, not what you think he should do for you. But if you find what he promised you, and you know that every promise he accomplished in Christ Jesus, and you and I, in graph, we, we understand we are in him and he is in us, and we believe that. As Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you'd be strengthened in your inner man by the Holy Spirit, rooted and grounded in love, that knowing Christ dwells in our heart through faith, that every day we know that Christ is in us and us in him. Well, I woke up this morning, looked in the mirror, certainly didn't look like Christ dwelled in me. Well, that's why you do it by faith, because you might not look like Christ dwells in you this morning, but he does. So when you wake up tomorrow morning and look in the mirror, You might look like, dear God, how could you live in that? But you have to believe. So John G. Lake, I believe it was. And if it wasn't John G. Lake, my wife will look it up on the internet and she will tell me exactly who it was. (laughs) So just to correct, you know, when I've been saying Maria Wordworth Edder had that um, uh, baby that came and the miracles, the limbs grew out, that corporate anointing, it wasn't Maria Wordworth Edder. It was Amy Simple McPherson. And so, praise the Lord. Oh, that doesn't make a big difference. It does make a difference to be accurate. But Tasha found that for me. She said, here's the story you've been telling. It wasn't Maria Wordworth. It was Amy Simple McPherson. I said, thank you very much. (laughs) So if it wasn't John G. Lake, but either John G. Lake or Smith Wigglesworth or one of those guys would wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, God lives in that man. God lives in that man. Come on, we wake up in the morning and we look and we go, there is no way you could live in there. (laughs) I'm just looking right now. In about a half hour, after I wake up a little bit, take a shower, do my hair, ladies, do your makeup, then you think, oh, Christ could live in there. But first thing in the morning, I'm not sure he could live in there. But you have to be convinced, first thing in the morning, at at your level worst, he lives in there. Because if you wake up and say, Christ lives in you. Snap out of it. Right? That's how Smith Wigglesworth could do a happy dance when his feet hit the floor. Every morning, he said he did a happy dance. Too bad we don't have a film. Listen, he did a happy dance every morning. Raised like 27 people from the dead. Why did he do a happy dance every morning? Because he woke up, and even though he knew he didn't feel like it, first thing in the morning, he said, Jesus lives in me. Man, I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. So I'm just going to rejoice right here when my feet hit the floor. So it'll help us. It'll help us in healing. It'll help us in ministering to other people to know that I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. That every promise of God has its yes and it, so be it. Not in the way that I feel, not in what I did, but it's in Christ. So it's imperative that I remind myself by faith that Christ lives in me and me in him. Me and him. Because every promise that God has made me is not in how well I can figure it out and how much I can do to earn it, but every promise that he's made me is in Christ Jesus. And so I access that through faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done. Amen. And so he said this. He said, when you look at the promise of God and you say, yes and amen. Lord, I see that. And I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. So I say yes to that promise. 
and so be it for me. Every promise of God. Then things start going on because I'm going to believe and extend faith in that grace of God. And he says, when you do that, you fall into that category under your father, Abraham, that faith. And so here in Romans uh, chapter 4, he tells us some things about that faith of Abraham. So really, one, one thing we want to look at, and if you're believing for healing, deliverance, whatever you're believing for, this is the faith that Abraham had. And so if we go back up to, to chap, uh, verse 18, verse 18, we'll just start with this. What's the first thing that really stood out about Abraham's faith? Contrary to hope, in hope, he believed. Contrary to hope, in hope, believed. In other words, I mean, he's looking at situations and he says, there's no hope. There's no hope. Sarah's never been able to have a child. She's now, not only could she not have a child when she could have a child, but now she's beyond the years to have a child. I mean, why would we expect to have a child when she's old and I'm old? There was no reason to hope. But he said, contrary to hope, in hope, he believed. So in other words, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 says this, that now faith is the substance of the thing we hope for, but it's the evidence of what we don't see. So he said, listen, God made me a promise. So even though the promise he made me is against hope, I take what God promised and create a hope. And then once that hope is created, that expectation, I'll believe in that. I won't believe in the hopelessness. I won't believe that this is beyond hope. I'll take God's promise to create a hope, and then in that hope, I believe that God's going to do something. Right? It's not mental gymnastics. It's really the truth. If I look at it, there's no reason to think things are going to get better. There's no reason if I've been in this for a long time. There's no reason if my grandma and my mama that had, had this and in, in, incurred this that I should be free. But there's all kinds of reasons to be free. You can say there's no reason based on where I came from, what's going on in my body, the mistakes that I've made. I don't even know why I would expect that. But God made you a promise. That's why you expect it. Jesus died on the cross and raised from the dead. That's why you expect it. And once you see what he did for you and you're in him, now it might not seem like it in the natural, but you say, I've got a hope. I've got an expectation. And I'll start believing in my expectation that came from the promise of God, not my circumstance. Come on, circumstances will talk to you every single day. Circumstances will tell you you're not tall enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not in good shape enough, you're too old, you're too young, you're not smart enough. But thank God, we look at the Bible, he used people that weren't very smart. He used big people, he used small people. He used intelligent people if they didn't try to outfigure him. I mean, he used all kinds of people. That's why we have this Bible, not to just read it and get stuck on it. We read it, and we're like, holy cow, you use somebody like me. I mean, if you could use them, you could probably use me, right? Where I was hopeless because I'm comparing myself with somebody so much better. Then I read the Bible and went, well, they made a lot of mistakes. So I'm not going to go, well, then it's okay that I make a mistake. No, we're not going to say that. We're going to look and go, he made a mistake, and you still used him. And you brought him out of his mistakes and did something great with him. So I'm not going to let my mistakes, I read that. Well, if you could use him and he made mistakes, I bet you could use me. 
So I'll quit. I'll allow by my faith to quit making mistakes and just move with you. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've come from or how tall or how sweet or, or, or how pretty or how uh, not pretty you might feel. I said you might feel. I didn't say there was a fact of the matter. Right? It's not about all that, what we feel. We can come up with all kinds of reasons not to expect God to work. Now, listen, I'm talking about in your heart. When you're talking to people that you don't want to deal with too much because they, they'll make you be in faith, you're like, oh, I believe. But when you get home and you figure out all the reasons why it ain't working, that's where we really start working faith. It's one thing to act like you have faith in front of people so they think you have faith. It's another thing to go home and have faith. Come on. It's another thing to go home and say, thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm not really good at this. I'm still working on some of this. But sometimes I just have to thank Jesus. And so my wife, I'll say, thank you, Jesus. She likes to know everything that I say to myself. She eavesdrops on things that I'm, when I'm talking to myself. <laughs> and, of course, because we talk from different rooms all the time, there's always that chance that I am talking to her from a different room. So, you know, I got to make sure to clarify that because I do talk to her from a different room. And she has to say, what? Um, but, you know, sometimes I'll just say, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. She'll say, what? I said, I just said, praise the Lord. Why? And then she has to make me think why I'm praising God. And sometimes, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. It just hit me. Well, God's good. Oh, okay. Right? Sometimes you just have to start wherever you're at. Say, I don't feel like praising God. Sometimes I don't feel like praising God. I just have to say, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then all of a sudden you're like, thank you for healing my body. Thank you for delivering me from destruction. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for washing me clean. Well, I don't feel like that. I, I mean, I've made, well, see, contrary to hope, in hope we believe. In hope we believe. In order to make faith really bring about a manifestation, you have to allow faith to stir hope. And in that hope, you continue to believe until the manifestation. Right? So all of a sudden, again, I'm just trying to help you. You can get around people and act like you have all kinds of faith. But when you go home and the devil starts to attack you and steal your hope, there is no hope. Come on. How's that ever going to happen? You have to just put your foot down and say, listen, he made a promise to me. And I'm in Christ. And every promise he's ever made, the promise that Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sickness, that's an emphatic statement. He did it. God promised it. And when God said it, that's a promise. He said that by Jesus' stripes... We were healed. If we were healed, then we are healed. So you promised it. And every promise you've ever made has its yes. Not its no, because I made a mistake. It has its yes, and its amen in Christ. And I've been engrafted into Christ in the new birth. So I'm in you, and you're in me. That gives me hope. That gives me hope. Whether I feel like it right now or not, 
whether I could look at the circumstance and say I'm 100 years old or not. I'm going to say, you promised it. I have hope. And now that I have hope, that I'm not just some slug somewhere that doesn't deserve it, but you paid the price for me, and I'm in you and you're in me. I have that relationship. So because I'm in relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave his life for me, I have hope. Now I'm going to start believing in that hope right there. Trying to help you get out of hopelessness. Because when you go home, you might say, this is good. And then the devil will go, yeah. If that was working, but you, I mean, he, he was saying that, but he doesn't know what you're dealing with. He doesn't know what you've done. He doesn't really know your wife, your husband, what your kids, you, he doesn't know what you've been through. He'll start that to try to do what? Take away your hope. Anytime you get a glimmer of hope, the devil will try to take your hope. But if we're going to have the faith of Abraham, he says, contrary to hope. He looked at the promise of God, right? He looked at the promise of God. And contrary to hope, through the promise of God, he got hope, and he believed in that hope that came from the promise of God. All right. I got to watch rambling here. Uh, Number two. So contrary to hope, in hope, he believed. In hope, believed. Amen. Number two, he was not weak in faith. He wouldn't allow himself to get weak in faith. Said he didn't consider his own body even though it was 100 years old. Listen, if we always consider the circumstance, if you always consider the circumstance. It says if he, basically we could look at it like this. If Abraham was considering his body and the deadness of Sarah's womb, if he was considering all of that, his faith would have been weakened. So when we say, well, I'm believing God, but if you're believing God, always considering the circumstance, your faith is being weakened. Right? So well, how am I going to get through that? Again, contrary to hope and hope we believe. And so now that we're, we, we have a hope that we're believing in, it came from the promise of God. Now we're not going to start considering all the things that take our hope from us and weaken our faith. So it said Abraham didn't allow himself to get weak in faith. He said, well, wait a minute. I have circumstances that exist. Yes, he had circumstances that existed. And the circumstance, looking at this circumstance in the natural, said it was totally impossible for them to ever have a child. But God promised that they would have a son. So what was he dealing with? He was dealing with the difference of the impossibility of their circumstance versus the promise of God. Come on, every single person in this room, we're confronted with the same thing. The impossibility of us doing what God has said and fulfilling and receiving his promises for us, right? Because of who we are. All the impossibilities and the promise of God. Are we going to consider the circumstance and the impossibility based on the circumstance? Or are we going to consider the promise of God? 
If we consider the promise of God, there's hope and belief that stirs. Faith grows. But if we only consider the impossibility of the circumstance, it weakens our faith. It weakens our faith. So we have to consider, instead of considering the circumstance, we always have to go back to consider the promise. To consider the promise. Not consider what we've done to deserve it. Well, what have I been doing? No, go back to the promise. See, because the one thing that will help us in all the mistakes that we make and all of the things that we get off, that the enemy says, see, you did that. You don't deserve healing. See, the circumstance, the situation, all that comes because we get over there and say, well, I've done this and I've done that. He said, get over and consider the promise. We think if we're only considering the promise and we don't deal with the mistakes that we've made, no, you start to consider the promise And you actually deal with the mistakes you've made. You put them under the blood, which is the promise. And if you'll do that, it won't be a matter of like, I just keep making the mistake. No, I've come to the place that I'm putting it under the promise. And when it's all under the blood, I don't think about going back and making the same mistakes. When it's under the blood, I'm so focused on the promise that I get my eyes off of the problem. And really, sometimes you are the problem. I am the problem. Come on, I'm just trying to help you here and not not ramble around too much. But what did it say? Abraham was looking and he said, we're the problem. We're the problem. Sarah's the problem. She's too old. And now, God, you've waited so long, I'm part of the problem. We consider the problem, we consider us, we consider our ability, and it weakens our faith because the more we consider it, no matter what we want, we realize, I can't make this thing happen. But God promised, and he's able. He's able. He's able. So instead of meditating on what can't be done, I begin to go to the promise of God and meditate on what can be done. So he wasn't, uh, number one, he was contrary to hope and hope believed. Number two, he wasn't weak in faith considering the circumstances. Number three, he did not waver. He didn't waver at the promise. He didn't waver at the promise through unbelief. Now listen, this is what this word waver means. It means to separate yourself or to discriminate against. So in other words, he didn't begin to separate himself through doubt and unbelief from the promise. You can do that. You can begin to consider, well, you know, I'm pretty old. I don't see how this is going to happen. Sarah, of course, she's never been able to have a child. Now she's really old. And all of a sudden you talk yourself out. You find the promise over here, and you're over here. It said, but he didn't take the promise and separate himself from the promise. That word also means to discriminate against. He didn't discriminate against the promise. He didn't say, well, the way I see it, I'm right. The way I see it, it just continues to to go on and on. Year after year, we haven't been able to have a baby. I mean, it's been like 20 years. We still haven't been able to have a baby. And so listen. If I'm really uh, looking at this, that promise ain't happening. So I discriminate against the promise of God. 
He said he didn't separate himself or discriminate against the promise of God. He didn't waver at the promise of God. Well, how do I separate myself from the promise of God? How do I discriminate myself from the promise of God? He said he didn't waver at the promise of God through what? Through unbelief. Through unbelief. When we get into that place of unbelief, when we begin uh, to follow that road uh, of, uh, of hopelessness, when we follow that road of circumstances, we begin to be weak in faith. And when we begin to, our faith, where we started going, whoo, it's a promise of God, right? Whoo, I believe you, God. And now all of a sudden, the process is taking place, and we got, start to get weak in faith. Pretty soon, we start to waver. And all of a sudden, our mind, we say, this is why this can't happen for me. And we separate ourselves from the promise through unbelief. Abraham didn't do that. He didn't separate himself from the promise through unbelief. But, but, right, he strengthened. He strengthened himself. He strengthened himself, right? Praise the Lord. In faith, giving glory to God. Strengthen himself in faith. In other words, every time that the, the, the circumstance manifested itself, every time the diagnosis, the feeling, the symptom, whatever it is, every time the worry, the stress, whatever's binding us up, whatever, whatever the, the doubt and unbelief, why God, why it won't ever be able to happen in my life, why it's not happening right now, he didn't allow that to come to separate him. But every time that came, he started giving glory to God. He started giving glory to God. Again, this is kind of a weak analogy. You've probably heard me say it before, you know, but as my girls were growing up, I mean, I just, I picked this up somewhere for myself, and so as they were growing up, you know, if they had a cough or something, they used to not like it at all, but um, still, I made them do it, right? So we'd be driving to school or something, they'd have a little bit of a cough, and they would cough, and I would look at them, and I'd say, say, thank you, Jesus, for healing my cough. So they'd say, thank you, Jesus, for healing my cough. <laughs> I'd say, say it again. Say, thank you, Jesus, for healing my cough. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my cough. <coughs> say it again. They're like, Dad. I said, say it again. Why? Because if you just keep coughing, you will. <coughs> oh, man, I'm really. <coughs> oh, man, I really have a cold. But if you cough and say, thank you, Jesus, what are you doing? I'm strengthening myself in faith, giving glory to God. Why would I give glory to God for healing my cough when I just coughed? Because if you think about your cough, you'll weaken your faith. But if every time that cough tries to manifest, you say, thank you, Jesus, for healing my cough, then what are you doing? You're calling those things that be not as though they were. I believe he gave glory to God, and he began to give glory to God. You are well able to perform that which you promised. I have a son because you said it. Not because I'm able to bring forth a son. Not because I feel like bringing forth a son right now. Not because Sarah can bring forth a son. Not that we could really do anything about it. I'm just giving glory to you because you promised it. And if you promised it, you're well able to perform it. 
I'm just trying to give you this process because he says we are of the faith of Abraham. The way that we access the grace of God, the goodness of God, not what we deserve. Faith, uh, uh, the law will always bring you to what you deserve. Right? So just be careful. This is a little side journey. I'm about to close. This is a little side journey. But you know, whenever you feel bad, when you get butthurt about something and offended, and you want to go, listen, I didn't deserve that. Just catch yourself. Because if you start standing on what you deserve, we're in big trouble. Thank God grace doesn't give you what you deserve. You say, well, it doesn't matter. That's not what I'm talking about. Listen, you just get in your mind that you're a victim. You never get what you deserve. And always demand that you get what you deserve out of your mouth. Be careful. You might get what you deserve. But when you understand, I don't want what I deserve. I want grace. I want grace. Come on. So we're not looking to say, listen, he says it's by, by grace that we get it. Not what we've earned, not what we deserve, not the works of the law, but I'm looking to the grace that comes when I believe the promise of God. When I begin to edify my faith, build my faith up. By what? By giving glory to God. Not by looking at the circumstances, not looking at hopelessness, not looking at impossibilities, not looking at what I can do or what I can't do, what I can produce or what I can't produce. I just look at the promise of God. And every promise of God has its yes and its amen. It doesn't have a yes and a no. If it's a promise from God, it has its yes and it's so be it in Christ. And if you're born again, you've been engrafted into Christ. And the very promise of God exists for you in the place that you now reside in him. Don't see yourself outside of him. Don't say, well, I'm over here and Jesus is over at church. Well, I'm out here at work and Jesus is back in my prayer closet. Come on, he's never left you, he's never forsaken you. Not that he likes it, but he's gone with you into the bar. He's gone into you where places where you never should have taken him. He's gone places I never should have taken him. Because he's faithful to never leave me or forsake me. And if we were actually aware of that, we never would take him some places we take him. <laughs> and just keep that in your mind. Next time you go somewhere, you think, wow. I just brought Jesus in here. I wonder if he's liking it. Probably not. Um, maybe we better go. Come on, he'll never leave you or forsake you. Why? Because he knows if you've invited me in, I'm in to stay. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And when we settle it, you know what? No matter what, I'll never leave him. I'll never forsake him. We're intricately woven together as one. And what's in him is in me. If there's no sickness in him, how can there be sickness in me? If there's no bondage in him, how could there be bondage in me? If there's no stress in him, how could there be stress in me? If there's no worry in him, how could there be worry in me? I know somebody wants to raise their hand. I'll tell you. Uh, but seriously, if we understand what I'm talking about, the intimacy of what he's saying got to pause for just a minute. This morning when we were worshiping God, God said, I might even get choked up here just a minute. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> he said he knows exactly what he promised you. And he knows you're believing it. And he loves you. So he just said, just tell her, I know. I hear 
and I'm faithful. Stick with it. Stick with it. He knows. Don't let the devil lie to you. God knows. Every promise has a chest and it so be it. Amen? Praise the Lord. So he strengthened himself. And then it said through all that, he was fully convinced. You want to be fully convinced. How many of you like to be fully convinced? This is how we'd be fully convinced. Is contrary to hope. In hope, we believe. Don't allow yourself to grow weak in faith, but strengthen your faith by giving glory to God. And then all of a sudden you'll find out, I've followed this process of faith that I'm fully convinced that he promised and he's able to perform it in my life. In my life. Amen? Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you. We thank you, Lord, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, Lord, we presented your word tonight. And I believe that you'll take it and you'll cause faith to arise in our hearts. I thank you that even right now, healing is at work. Deliverance from bondage is at work. I thank you supernaturally. I know there's many ways, but I thank you that 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 one who is bound in pornography, that if they'll receive this, you'll break that supernaturally, that they'll be free. Thank you, Lord, that you're working with those who are overwhelmed by stress and anxiety, that supernaturally you'll bring deliverance from that which subtly has crept in to bind them. Holy Spirit, lead us, even through this process, to be fully convinced. Because your word declares right there that as Abraham was fully convinced, you accounted it to him for righteousness. And if you accounted it to him, you'll account it to us as we believe you. Not of works. This is not a process of works. I thank you for that. That you lead us. It's a process of faith. A process of applying our faith. So we thank you. We praise you and magnify you. I thank you for power being present right now to heal, to deliver, to set free, to bind up that which is broken. Everything you've promised, yes and amen. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for miracle working power. Not wrought because of what we have done or what we'll do, but by faith. 
by the grace of God that we access through faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You need to be dismissed. Make it a great week.